Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. This has kind of been an interesting journey, uh, this, what I'm, I'm going to share with you, because, you know, out of the sense of the heart and the connection that we feel, you know, we're not just coming as visiting speakers. Uh, some of you don't know this, but... Vern and I had a very integral part of the actual beginnings of this congregation, the birthing of it. And so we have a vested interest in what's happening. You're not just another church, but you are, in a very, very real sense, part of who we are. and We're part of who you are. And so it's out of that sense of, of really awe that I stand before you this morning and and. You know, sometimes we like the heavens are brass, but I tell you, you know, even out of this whole situation, there is such a flood of revelation that's coming to me. It's like I have to keep peeling off because it's like this triggers that and that triggers that. And there is so much revelation. It's almost like, you know, it feels like a flood. I'm just being honest with you. So I struggle to get. You know, to do what a preacher is supposed to do and, and be a rifle and get focused, it's going to be like a shotgun. But I, I hope, I hope that somehow that there can be a seed of something that connects with you. And I, I'm, I'm marveling how God can do that. I mean, just a word or a thought that is just like a rifle in the midst of the shotgun of all of the, the little nuggets or seeds of truth. Don't you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, Boom! And there it is. Yes, that's the light. That's the, that's, that's, that's the peace that I need. And, and, and so really, that happened to me this week. Uh, Adam, in my devotional time, I said, that's it! That's it! Uh, relating to this service. And so, you know, the message that I was, had been working on, it's like, you know, God just messed with it. He, he messed with it. I said, God! I mean, I had, a, you know, I had my points. I had, you know, it was, it was all, <laughs> Jay, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> he knows that. Yeah. But, but I, I'm going to ask you not to turn. I don't know that I've ever done that before. <laughs> but we're in a new day, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, don't turn to the scripture. <laughs> but, but, but I want to, I want to read this out of the message. And most, uh, does anybody have the message here today? You know, the message translation, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, you, you know about it. Okay, I, I should just add this little parentheses. In, in my own devotional, personal, nurture time with God, uh, for years, I've just, you know, just kind of worked through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, no particular in a year or whatever of that, just working through it. I feel as a, a pastor and leader and minister that I need to be, be exposing myself to the whole counsel of God. So I've done it in the King James, then I do it in the New American, then I did it in the Revised. I mean, it took me uh, a little while. And then the Amplified took me double the time, uh, and, and just on and on and on. Well, I picked up the message, and now, and I'm in Luke. And, and sometimes, and I just would share this with you, a, a, a translation, just the way the wording is, you're familiar with the passage, but just a word or a thought said a little different just triggers light. And that's what happened to me out of this passage. And it, it, it's, it's Luke chapter 7, and the first part of it is God, uh, Jesus healing the centurion, Roman centurion's uh, son or servant. 
And, and so I'm going to pick it up uh, with that as a preface in the beginning of Luke chapter 7. I believe it's verse uh, 11. If you're taking notes, you want to look at it later. But, but we're talking about holy mystery. And, and, and the, we see it here. Is, is, and there's two words that I want us to think about relating to the holy mystery. And we're not just talking about mystery, but we're talking about holy mystery. And there's two aspects of holy mystery. The first one is awesome. Awesome. What we see here is awesome mystery, isn't it? Here's the dead boy. The, the widow. Lost. I mean, she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a son anymore. You can imagine the grief and the, the impossibility, the hopelessness. And what happens? Helpfulness comes to meet hopelessness. And we have this explosion of glory. Holy mystery. Right? I mean, do you see that here? See? Now, we all love that, right? The miracle. The, you know, the, the unexplainable, unbelievable, over the top, you know, beyond what we could ask or think, right? Are you with me this morning? Is that holy mystery or what? Awesome. But there's another B side to that, which is awful. Awful. There's awful mystery in God. All some and awful. Are you with me? See? And uh, as I was thinking about I didn't see this till this morning. But I think it's a great example of awful. The awful mystery of God. And the awesome mystery. It's all holy. It's all holy. It's all holy. It's all part of God. There's an awfulness. We need to put the hyphen in. Awful. That's what God does to the awful. That's holy. See, that's holy. A-W-E hyphen F-U-L-L. Two words, not one word. And, uh, again, we won't take the time. I'm an advocate for looking at the Bible, but we just don't have the time. Uh, so I just want to just highlight this, and you can mark it down and look at it later. I think one of the greatest awful ex- uh, examples is Exodus 19 and Exodus 20, where God's people, the children of Israel, remember, they were at Mount Sinai. And to remember the, what happened... God came, right? God came, and it was awful. I mean, the, the mountain shook. There was an earthquake. There was fire. There was wind. There was, uh, you know, can you imagine what that was like? I mean, we, were in the, uh, we weren't in the fires, but we were, we were close to the fires of Australia. I mean, that was just horrific. 25,000 square miles burned. I mean, you know, and the, I'm sure you saw the. The fire's there. But anyhow, that's beside the point here. Uh, so, so, so here is this, this, this off. I mean, remember how the, pe- the people, they, did, they didn't know what to do. I mean, this was just over the top. Uh, awful. 
they were afraid, but it wasn't the good kind of fear. I mean, they were, they're just, in fact, it says, I looked at the account again this morning, they, 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 they stood at a distance. See, that's what we do on that kind of, of, of mystery. We want to retreat, don't we? Because it's, it's just way beyond us. It's just, we, we don't understand it. We don't like it. We, and so this awfulness and, and, uh, so remember what their response was. They said to Moses, uh, you hear from God and you tell us what he said. <laughs> right? They, they, we, we, we do that. See, when, when, when God comes in his sovereignty, he shows us that he's God and we're not. See, we easily get that mixed up. We tend to try to make God in our image. My dad's favorite song, gospel song, was, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. You see, we tend to get that reversed. That we're the potter and he's the clay. See? He's the one that's making the laws. But in that example, you see, they made the law. They, God said, I want you to come near and experience me as God, sovereign. He said, I don't like that part of you, God. So let, let me rewrite the law. I'm going to just retreat and have some man tell me what God said. And you see, that's just another, that's a, just another, you can be as God. And we do that so subtly, we don't realize that we're doing it. See? And that's not life. That's not God. See? God is awesome when he's, when he's doing the things that we like. And he's awful <laughs> when he steps in and exercises his sovereignty. Are you with me this morning? See? And crises bring us back to reality. I don't care what what kind of crisis. How many of you have ever been in, I mean, uh, just a life-threatening crisis? You know, 10 years old, I got hit by a car, and that wheel was just within inches of going over my head. So I had an early experience with life crises, and I think it served me well. Because it put a holy fear in my life. And it was really instrumental in causing me to come to Christ. So anyhow, uh, I've got a couple of illustrations related to that, but I'm not going to, to go there. Because I want us to hear this. See, we want to retain some kind of control for the good life that we interpret as good. And so God loves us enough to keep us from going down that road. He'll, he'll give us a lot of latitude, see, but he will not let us go on forever. He has the first word. He has the last word. There's a lot of room in the middle where he gives us a lot of latitude, 
But he loves us enough because he's written a covenant with us. If we're his, if we're just out there, I can be his God, and we've never committed our lives to him, that's another story. That's a whole different ballgame. But this is important. So we've got this holy mystery thing going. Do you believe that we're in a holy mystery time? God is back. And I believe this is representative of where the church is going. I believe this is prophetic. I don't believe this is the only church. I believe that we are headed for holy mystery in the terms that I'm bringing to this morning in church after church after church after church because God's up to something. We're going to need that kind of church in what is coming. So in his goodness, he is bringing us back to reality. See, and We don't like the way he does that, but again, he's writing the script. See? And so with that said, the second point is that it's not just about holy mystery but it's about holy people. Holy people. That's us. Remember that, uh, I think it was Peter that said, uh, be ye holy. Why? Because dad's holy. Right? God's holy. So how do we, how do we be that holy people? Well, uh, I have written down Faithful people. Faith hyphen full people. Turn with me to this one uh, in the regular Bible. Hebrews 11. Of course, we know that as what? What, What's that chapter titled? Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews 11. And again, I'm not going to, you know, preach out of this, but I want to just reference it. Really, I'm just talking to you this morning out of what God has talked to me. So it's not really, uh, it's a disclaimer. It's not really a, a sermon. It's, so that lets me off the hook. Then I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the form or anything like that. I'm just talking to you, okay? But, uh, we know this. Uh, let me just read a couple of verses here for a, sake, a, a sense of context. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know this. Uh, we've been over it and over, some of us, just thousands upon thousands of times. And then, of course, we have the litany of those that have lived this faithful life. A whole smattering of different characters and experiences and circumstances and, you know, successes, failures, and all of that woven together. But the common denominator is that these were people of faith. Some we know, some we don't. Some are nameless in here. Okay, so uh, then Hebrews 11.6, one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, It's impossible to please God. Well, that probably has something to do with holy, doesn't it? Faith. And it's not based on what we see or what we feel. And then it goes on to say, He who comes to God must believe that he is, 
and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There's a two-part element of faith that we have to be clear on. To walk by faith, first of all, we have to see where it says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, in my understanding, I think there needs to be another word after is. It's implied, but it's important. We have to first of all see or understand or know not merely that he exists, but that he exists as God. That's pretty important, isn't it? A lot of people believe in God, as that he exists, but they don't believe that he is God because they don't live like that, right? I mean, if, if they really believed he was God, their lives would look different, wouldn't they? So they believe that he is, that he exists, but we ha- if, for to be people of faith, we have to believe that he is God. And again, as I said earlier, that we are not. That's faith, see. That I recognize that I am not my own, even before a Christian. I am not my own. I didn't have anything to say about me being born. Even the name that I carry, right? Any of you have, have anything to say about you being born? Probably not. See, so, so to be a holy people or a holy person, first of all, we have to be faithful in that we believe that he is God. We really believe that. We, we live our lives like we believe it. That's believing. It's not just theology, but it's, you know, faith without works is dead. Well, I can believe something, but what am I walking in, see? So I have to believe that he's God. And secondly, if I'm going to come to him and behold him, I have to see that he's God and recognize that. And God, you're God and I'm not. And you're sovereign. And... Secondly, that that could be scary, but the second part helps us. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, and he has the God aspect to be big, awesome in rewarding. Would you say amen to that? That, That's a little weak for what we're we're talking about. I'm not, I'm right? Like Myrna said, we have so much at our worst to be thankful and grateful and stand at all of God. But the enemy tries to blind our eyes to that, obviously, because he knows the danger of that. So we come beholding. We come beholding that he is God and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so with that, I want us just to, to turn now to Hebrews 12. Because I want to I wrap this up. But really, this is open-ended. This is all kind of introduction. Because this is not just something that I'm going to share with you, but I trust that it will be a launching pad for us in light of where God wants to take us in the days and weeks and months ahead. And and this is really important. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at it. 
crisis. So, so uh, it would be really good to look at this in entirety, but we don't have the time to do that. But Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father or the throne of God. Now, this, this phrase, the joy that was set before him was what really started getting me going down this trail. Uh, because I think in the midst of God stepping into our lives and, and doing a sovereign work that we have no control over, we don't understand it, it's so far beyond what we could begin to understand, and, and, and the temptation to, as the children of Israel, when he's doing this awful thing, that we want to distance ourselves. We have a choice. We're forced with a choice. We're faced, and, but we're forced to choose. Are we going to distance ourselves? And a lot of people do that. They have a crisis in their lives. They don't like it. And it, it seems like so counter to who God is and his awesomeness. They don't understand the awful side. And they don't put the hyphen in there. See? And so they're looking at it as a negative. Jesus could have done that. See, he could have looked at the cross. In fact, didn't he? I think I remember, according to the scriptures, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, if God can say that, we're in pretty good company when we say that. If Jesus could say that, How many of you can identify with that? God, you have forsaken me. When you step in and exercise your sovereignty, I don't like it. I don't understand it. It just doesn't make any sense relating to who I thought I knew you were. So people just simply politely distance themselves. See, they write their own law. I'll relate to God, but, but, Distancing is dangerous. It's dangerous. Because the further away we get, the harder it is to hear the still small voice. Remember Elijah? Finally, he got to the place where the voice wasn't in the wind, the voice wasn't in, you know, the voice was, it was in the still small voice that he heard the Lord. So, we either distance ourselves or we end up going one further and we, we actually turn our back on him, you see. We become deserters. But really what he wants us to be is those that begin to start to go into the mystery and become discerners. See, be, be seeking the 
seeking. The, you know, the, that's, that's what's the, the amazing thing about mystery. See, that instead of being a defector, we become a detector. See, a detective, a detective. A detective likes mystery, doesn't he? He likes to get in there with the impossibles and the, I mean, just, you know, the, the, all of the vagueness and all of the mystery of it. He goes in after it. See? And if God's involved in mystery, holy mystery, he has got something. And that's exactly what it says. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he had some understanding. And so many times we put Jesus in a category. Now, he wasn't a category all by himself, but he was doing this as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, didn't he spend... Day after day after day, long hours, early in the morning, talking to Father. See? I mean, he's the Son of God. He wouldn't have needed to do that, we say. But he did. And, and so we can be a one who distanced ourselves. Or we can become that detective. Take that detective approach and say, Lord, there, there, there's, there's gold in here. I sure can't understand it. I, I, I don't see it, but if you're God, you're the awesome, all-filled God, I need to make myself uh, aware of that and begin to start to look for it. Now, I believe when it says that for the joy that was set before him, I, I got, got this, <clears throat> this image. It's kind of like, you know, the puzzle. And we have the puzzle, we have the box. What's on the, or what's on the cover of the box of the puzzle? The picture. The picture, right? The joy set before. Okay, I, I was in the store the other day, 1,500-piece puzzle. I, I think there's even 5,000-piece puzzles. I, do I, am I right on that? I'm not a puzzle person, at least that kind of puzzle. But... Uh, so, so we have this joy set before us, right? Jesus had some sense of purpose in the pain. That's what enabled him to get through it. See, we need to somehow get a hold of that if we're going to get through this. And so I, I think that's what, you know, kind of the, 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 the takeaway is that we need to be on a quest. We need to take the posture of detective. Do I hear any amends? See, we can distance ourselves. We can be a defector. Because if we're not a detector, we'll become a defector. It was because of the joy that was set before him that enabled him to endure the cross. See, the cross isn't over for us. Right? We're still working through it, aren't we? Hello? See, how are we going to get through it? Looking unto Jesus. Not just looking unto him, but looking the way he did it. We've got to get our eyes on the cover. But, and this is the real deal, we need to look for the next piece. And God will show it. I'm convinced he will. And there is something that you, as a church, are on the threshold of something. You cannot believe the awesomeness of it. 
But it's not going to be automatic. We're going to have to be detectors. See, Jesus had something on the other side. But if it wouldn't have been for the joy that was set before him, what would have happened? I don't want to go there. But God has a plan for a holy people. See, and it comes out of holy mystery. And a part of it, a big part of it that we don't like and don't understand. But by faith, I believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Can you say amen? I want to be a part of that company with you. And I'm asking you to consider making a decision this morning. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because it's got to come from the heart. And you may not even be able to make it today, but I want you to consider it. And uh, really, my initial message was giving you five things that God is God peace, pieces for you, for us as this church. He's already given me five. And that's why I'm preaching this message, because I think he has some for each of you. Pieces, pieces. We're going to be together as leaders this afternoon. See, and this, this gets exciting. See, this, this is upper room time. And I'm not saying that Chris was Jesus, but Jesus was dead. They didn't understand it. They didn't, they didn't like it. Mary said, you remember on the Easter morning, uh, she, she grabbed onto Jesus and Jesus said, let go of me. That's not like Jesus. But he said, don't, don't grab me as you knew me. Rather, don't grab. I want you to go and tell. See, we want to hold on. We want to hold on to where we've been in many different ways. But God's saying, it's no, it's, it, it, it's, it's not grab. It's, it's, it's go. See, see, you get that? See, we're in the upper room and there, there is some real clarity that God wants to give us. He doesn't want us to be aimlessly groping around. He has direction. He has purpose. He has something beyond what we could ever know. But we have to give ourselves to it. I'm going to give it my, give myself to it with you from a distance. Are you willing here? Jay had asked a couple of weeks ago, and that was a phenomenal message. You need to go back to that crossroads message. Are you in? Man, I'm in. Whether you like it or not, I'm in. We're in.